May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The Apostle Paul might have been a formidable missionary. He might have been an eloquent orator, a masterful, masterful philosophical debater. He might have even been laying the groundwork to become what might have been one of the greatest saints of all time. But he was not without his detractors. Now this was true even in the first century church. I hope that makes you feel better. Even Paul had adversaries at work. You know, the next time that you complain about your adversaries at work, know that God is probably saying, yeah, I've heard this all before, right? He heard it from, from, all, from Paul, from his adversaries. That they had this idea. You know, he would go around and he would preach the gospel. People would come to faith. But there were those who came in behind him and said, you know, he didn't really tell you all that was required to be a true Christian, to be a real Christian, to be an authentic believer. He gave you a lot to get you started, but he sort of left things you know, undone. He hasn't told you the whole story. And so Paul would go and he would, he would preach at a place and, and begin to uh, gather converts and people would be baptized. There would be a new church that was starting. And then he would do what missionaries do. He would move on from there and go somewhere else, leaving somebody in charge. And in behind him would come these people. Now, some have called them Judaizers. And what they were doing was saying to, uh, to the new converts, listen, what you really need to do is to become thoroughly Jewish. Um, you have to change your calendar, your dietary restrictions. Men, there's some surgery that's involved here. Lots of things that require you to be fully Christian, a real Christian. And Paul gets really angry about this. And many of his letters are actually letters written back to churches to correct this very problem. This Philippian letter being one of them. There were those people who said, listen, it's not enough to follow moral law. You have to follow Jewish ritual law too. And Paul says, no, that's not it. What you have to have is faith in Jesus Christ. That's all. And so when they come in with um, you know, the, the event coordinator to tell you about your new calendar, or the dietician to tell you about your new diet, or the surgeon to tell you about uh, different uh, events that are going on in the lives of men. None of those matter, Paul says. Those are not appropriate. What you have to have to be a real Christian is one thing, faith in Jesus Christ. He says that they are in a, if you have your bulletin, open it will you, to the Philippian letter there. In, in the 8th verse, here's what Paul sa- begins. It's about uh, a little bit uh, through there. I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Look at this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. He talks about righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? To be righteous is to be, is to be clear with God. It's to be on good standing. Uh, there's a cognate form, justified, in the original. Justified and righteous are, are almost the same word. If you are justified, it, it's, sort of like, it's sort of like being exonerated in, in a legal term. You know, exonerated, you're, you're accused of something, and then that accusation is proven false, and, and you're, you're restored to innocence. It's sort of like that, only a little different. Righteousness means you've actually been accused of something that you're guilty of. You've been tried. You've been convicted. 
But when it comes time for penalty, it's not you that receives the penalty, but someone else. In this case, that's what Christ has done. Paul is saying Christ's death on the cross has made you righteous. You've been declared righteous. He has taken that penalty away. And here's the rub. And if you try to add anything to that, all you do is detract from it. Because you will then begin to have your own type of righteousness, your self-righteousness. And it will turn goodness into badness. And so if somebody comes around with a, with a new calendar or, or they come around with, with new uh, rules and restrictions, what they're trying to do is boost your resume, but they're not. They're actually harming you. They're taking you away from true righteousness and selling you a false righteousness. In fact, Paul says, you want to talk resumes? Is that really where you want to go? Let's look at resumes. I'll pull out mine. And he opens it up, doesn't he? He says, here's my resume. If anyone thinks they have confidence in the flesh, let me tell you what, I've got more. Circumcised the eighth day. Now, this was, this was the, the actual precision of the law on the eighth day. Boys were to be circumcised. Of the people of Israel, Paul said, you know what? I am, I am my, my uh, genealogy goes back to, to Abraham. I am a, a Jew of the Jews, he says. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. I even spoke Hebrew language, lived in Hebrew culture. As to the law, a Pharisee probably meant pious one, one who kept, was very devout. As to zeal, listen, I killed people. I killed people who said that all they needed was Jesus Christ. If resume is what you're looking for, I have it all. But what does he say? What about all those things? I suffered all those things to be lost. In fact, if you looked really close at verse 8, I suffered the loss of all things and count them what? Rubbish. Now, this is a very sanitized word, let me tell you. If you read the word in the original Greek, it, I'm sorry, I know this is Sunday morning, but it's in the Bible. It's, I didn't say it. It's right here. You Take up St. Paul. I count them like human waste. You know, it's a colloquialism. We have a word that actually works there. Perhaps you've heard it on the playground when you were a kid. This is what I think about those. This is garbage. None of this means anything. The only thing that counts is faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only resume item God is looking for. Okay, well, you know, that sounds really good and fun, um, but how do I know if I have real faith? You know, because, you know, my cousin Jane, she says she has real faith, and oh my, she lives like a wild woman, you know? I mean, and, you know, and then I know other people have real faith, and they're, they're very devout. And how do I know? I mean... Is this really just that easy? Well, I think real faith is a lot like real love. Think about a mother who loves her children. You know, a one who, who genuinely loves her children, how does she love them? She cares for them, doesn't she? She feeds them, clothes them, tucks them in at night. Like, I heard my wife, she's not in here, so I can tell on her. Last night, Dietrich at 10.30, can we play a game of Battleship? Yeah, they, they play games of Battleship at 10.30 at night. Not every night, <laughs> but some. You know, they, they, um, mothers that love their children, they, they, they look after them, they, they, they take care of them. 
They tuck him in bed and they pray for him. And you know what I've noticed? When a mother loves her children, she prays that that goes on just a little bit longer. And when the day comes when they move away and go to college or whatever, they cry. I mean, sometimes they cry for happiness, but they cry also because they, they miss that child. You know, that's the love that they have for them. I think Paul says real faith is a lot like real love. It's not an attempt to get away from and not do things. It's an attempt to do what you most want to do. Verse 10, that I may... Why does Paul count all these things lost? Why would, he, why would he tear up his resume and throw it in the garbage? That I might know Christ. He doesn't say that I might know about Him, does he? I might know about God. I might know about Christ. He doesn't objectify him and make him a subject. You know, sometime come over to our house and I'll show you this, um, this great possession I have that hangs in a closet and it never comes out. It's this blue robe, you know, it's got the seal of the seminary on it, black chevrons on the arm. You know, got this paunchy little hat, looks like a baker, you know, would wear, you know, and this, and this hood that goes over, scarlet in the front, so it means, you know, a doctor of theology. A lot of people have those. Getting that did not require that I know a single thing about the, the relationship with God, about a relationship with Christ. It only required that I know about Him. And that's why it hangs in a closet. That's why it's not a very prized possession. It's kind of a prized possession, but not very much. You could have one. Anybody can have... I mean, there are people who teach, who wear that scarlet, who have doctors of theology, who don't know a single bit about a relationship with God. Paul says, I count my whole resume to be garbage for one reason, that I might know Christ. Real faith... Real faith is persistent faith. So I press on, he says. I keep moving forward. I, I, that I might know Him. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards the high prize in Christ Jesus, towards this goal, this object of faith, Jesus. Never satisfied with the status quo, always hungry for more. How do you know a mother who loves her children? She cares for them. How do you know a Christian who has real faith? Because they want more. They're hungry for more. Not, not, a, not more rules, not more religion, not more uh, you know, trappings of faith, but more of God, more of a relationship with Him. Maybe you remember um, the name George O'Leary. Do you remember George O'Leary? And do, do, if those of you who are football fans, in December of 2001, he was hired by the University of Notre Dame to be the head football coach. He had previously been the head football coach at Georgia Tech and had really transformed that program, made them into this, this you know, great team. And, and so everybody said, this guy has got it on the ball and University of Notre Dame has needed a coach for a long time. And so here's our guy, right? And, and so they hire him. They hire him because he was a great coach. So excited were they about George O'Leary that they put his resume out on their website right away. Let's let the world know what this great guy we have. And there are people out there who look at the internet who have nothing to do. I mean, they have nothing else to do. And so they started fact-checking his resume. George O'Leary worked for the University of Notre Dame for five days until someone found that his resume was filled with inaccuracies. That he claimed he had a master's degree and never finished the master's degree program. That he claimed he had three uh, varsity letters for playing football and never actually made a play on the field. 
And the university was greatly embarrassed, and they asked for his resignation, and he resigned. His career was almost ended, but he's, he's bounced back, and he's coaching again. But here's the thing. They didn't hire him because of his resume. They hired him because he was a great coach. It was a complete waste of time to try to pad your resume after the fact. And being a great Christian isn't about all the things that you do. It's not about keeping all the rules. It's not about, about how you can become more, uh, I don't know, more biblically accurate than everyone else. It's about one thing. Authentic faith in Jesus Christ. And don't let anybody tell you anything else.